Hey, welcome to Witcast. This is our program in which we talk about different types of conversations without the restraint of just bombarding you with a biblical text. I have my friend, my son, and uh, my co-host, Rico Cortez Jr., or Little Rico, like we call him. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Hello, hello. How is everyone today? You know, <clears throat> we were talking, we had some conversations this week, and we're trying to figure out what to talk about in Witcast, mm -hmm. and there's so much information that we can talk about. And... Before that, I'd like to make some announcements, really. Oh, okay, go ahead. You know, I, by the way, if you are looking for a really good reading, I want to recommend to you my friends, my good friend, uh, her book is Dina Dice, book The Temple Revealed in the Garden, Priests and Kings. Now, this book is really, really cool, and I'm going to quote from it today a few times when you ask the right questions, so be on point, okay? Oh, man. Uh, the, <laughs> she did a really good job, Rico. Um utilizing temple language, temple function, and ancient Near Eastern history. And she has some, um, she called it vignettes. Mm -hmm. It's like little stories, fic uh, fiction, right? Yeah, like little parables. It's like little parables. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, man, she has some pretty good imagination. I don't know how in the world she had to write that thing yeah. down. Because <laughs> she's using a lot of the ancient Near Eastern real true context mm -hmm. with temple language, which is real true information. I'm putting it in a in a, in, a, in a fiction type manner, and but what I saw the genius in that is that she has developed her way of presenting the information like in a like in a picture type. You can actually see it as you read it. Right. So if you really really want to be challenged by looking at creation in a different perspective, um, I highly recommend the book, The Temple Revealed in the Garden, Priests and Kings. By Dina Dye. So go to her website, okay? It's a Foundations in Torah, and check it out. And and when you um, put a good review, go to Amazon and check it. And Tyler Don Rosenquist wrote a really cool, you know, like a recommendation on this. Mm -hmm. uh, Tyler says, and the reason why I'm naming Tyler is because she's also an outstanding, prolific writer. Mm -hmm. She has some good books that really help people starting out. Because she writes it specifically, Rico, for people who are starting out, making a transition, oh, okay. understanding covenants, and she has one for children. And oh, wow. So if you have homeschooling, uh, her books are outstanding yeah. uh, for you to consider. Yeah. So Tyler said about Dina's book, uh, Dina Dye uh, says, teaches like a woman <laughs> in a warm and vibrant way that shows her deep and abiding love, not only for the material she presents, but for the reader as well. Far removed from the from scholar who write merely to impress and pontific uh, pontificate, <laughs> Dr. Dai imparts both wisdom and knowledge in her beautiful account on how the temple is revealed in the garden. So I just wanted to recommend that book for you. Sounds extremely edifying. We are not sponsored by Dina Dai, by the way. No, we're not sponsored no. by her. She's not. Just... I'm just her friend, <laughs> and she's my friend. We're just a fan of her work. That's purely yeah. what it is. So That's um, really funny you say that. Because I mean, that... somebody is going to think we are at some point. Yeah, when you do a podcast, everybody thinks that anyone that you plug in, you're getting money from. We're not We're not shilling for money, guys. We're well, just, you know. well, maybe she'll buy me lunch next I time. I mean, uh, hopefully. We've got to bring it up. <laughs> we'll play this one bit, and then we'll see if she'll buy us lunch. So I'm going to put a plug for my website. It's wisdomandtora.com. There we go. And for all of you that have friends that speak Spanish, uh, go to Teshuva, Teshuva.tv, Teshuva without an H, okay? Mm -hmm. T-E-S-H-U-V-A dot TV. Okay. And we have 11 teachers. And what I've done, we have established a new a TV station. By the way, we are ministering to 45 countries. 
and we reach over a million people in the last two years. Yeah. It's not like we're counting people, but it gives us an idea of how far reaching is getting. It's getting really, it's really, really growing, growing, and the doors are opening in the Latin American world, uh, world in regards to the Torah Rico. Praise the Lord. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited because Absolutely. you know how long it took me. <laughs> to actually break in into the Spanish market, uh, as we say, Spanish market, yeah. or the Spanish audience, better yet. The community. The Spanish yeah, community. 15 years, man. Fit, uh, yeah. That, I've been to Australia. That sounds about right. <laughs> sounds you about you right. went to Hong Kong with me. I did. Went to, I've been to Australia. I've been to South Africa. I've been everywhere. And now, after all these years, the Father's given me the pleasure, I mean the honor. Right. To, uh, and I have the pleasure of going to, to my Spanish-speaking countries. And what we're trying to do, and using Teshuva, the whole platform there, is to give and open the opportunities for other teachers to have a platform and develop. Right. So I'm really excited about that. And my website in English, which we have over 400 videos now. Bro, I didn't realize how much information we've put in. I mean, you can watch a video a day. And, still not and I still have yeah. videos left. And I still feel like Ooh. I'm not doing enough. I'm really glad I'm your son because if I was just some Joe Schmo who logged in today and saw the videos, it'd be really intimidating to see all the content. And I mean, it'd be great. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. Yeah. Just saying, just as like from a starter perspective, it's got to be mind-blowing to see all this content, you know, all I'm, this great stuff. I'm glad you say that because now what we're trying to do is trying to make it in a way so it's not as intimidating. Right. For example, we have the weekly portions. Yeah. And then we have the gospel cycles, which I can't really do them every week because my schedule is crazy, but I'm trying to do them every two weeks. It gives me a chance to research. And and um, so people can go at their own pace. Like, for example, if you want to go watch and listen to a Torah portions, you can do it by year. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, and by the way, each year, people don't know this, each year is a different theme. Right. So I'm covering the portions not from the same perspective as everyone does. I try to. It's more for me, by the way. Yeah, I get that. Well, remember remember yeah. the one that you helped me record on the engineers? Yeah, that whole the whole cycle. Yeah. It's funny because there are people when I travel. Uh huh. They say, "Hey, Rico, you know, you're doing the engineers and tour portions, but then you look into the side. Who are you talking to?" <laughs> That's me, everybody. <laughs> yep. But but the reason was because I wanted to have the opportunity. To teach you directly, right? So I'm it was great. Yeah, it, it was great to, for you to be there and help me record. But at the same token, I was basically teaching you the whole year. Yeah. So did you get anything out of it? I mean, I'm I I am a I like to think I'm I'm a decent human being with a good understanding of of near near ancient near ancient Eastern cultures and and covenants and all that stuff in in the in the Torah. So I feel like some of it kind of got through my thick skull. Well, you know, it's just repetition and practice. Yeah, it's true. And just the <clears throat> fact that as a father trying to lead people outside my family to the Torah, it was important for me to teach my kids. Right. That's yeah. really more important, if you really think about it. Because imagine, how would you feel if I, I'm teaching the, all everyone else out there and I treat you like, like trash? Well, that I, well, I would feel like it, it, everything you're saying is not the truth. It's all just, you know, show and everything like that, man. You know, God does the same thing too. You know, yeah. he, he he teaches his people first. That's what the gospel really is all about. Mm -hmm. I mean, the gospel, that's why Paul says to the Jew first and then the Gentile. It's the same pattern. Right. You know, he starts with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All the nations are open, you know, to come into the gospel and to come into the, the, the covenant. But he opens it to his family first. And then the family responsibility is to take it out. Of course. It's to stabilize the house. And then once that's stabilized, build off of it and expand out. Yeah. I mean, you know, how do you deal with having a... 
a father who just a teacher of the Bible. Because I, I never really, I don't know if I've asked you or if I have, we just, haven't really talked a lot about yeah, it. Yeah, we, we haven't really expanded on it. Like, you know, everyone, a lot of people ask me that. A lot of people do. And I actually have, we, we actually know someone that recently moved here that is also the, the son of, yeah. of a speaker. So he asked me the same thing. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's weird. Like, it's, it's just a shift in perspective. That's all it really is. You just have to understand that the things you do and the things you say will reflect differently than, you know, your friends who, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't the preacher's son, you know, that old, that old, old saying it's, but from my, from my own perspective, it's, it's not that weird. It really isn't. Remember how you really got to understand what I was trying to tell you? Because the audience doesn't know the conversations we have, obviously, behind closed doors. I tell my son, you know, remember, you have my last name. Don't mess it up, <laughs> you know? And I feel bad sometimes because I understand that there's a pressure for the children. And by the way, this is the reason, Rico, why many preachers' kids, PC kids, they rebel. Yeah, I'm just blessed that, you know, you haven't. Uh, and, and that's because I try to make sure that uh, you create a, an environment for my kids, for you and Tito, that I'm always real here as I am outside. You can't be two different people. You got to be the same. Remember what happened at Sukkot like five, six years ago? Oh, that you were playing video games with a kid? It oh, was like, yeah. It was during oh, the week wow. of Sukkot. You're playing video games with a kid, and then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> something <laughs> happens that I went to eat or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kid's standing next to me, uh-huh. but he thought that you were me. And he's standing next to me, and he looks at me, and then he, you see, he sees you coming around, and he goes, oh, I thought you were the real Rico. <laughs> that was the funniest thing, because we were quite big back then. Remember, I was like 260, and you were like 270? Yeah, we we're, were, were quite portly back then. Yeah. We looked a lot like more like closer than we do now. I know, man. I gotta, I'm trying to lose another 20, 25, 30 pounds. <laughs> you want to balance that again? I want to balance it out. <laughs> You know, the older you get, well, the older you get, the harder it is. The harder it is consistently for you to go out there and be active because the more you get involved in ministry and the more you you have to spend time with people. What people don't realize is that ministry is not about quoting verses. You know, they see me as a teacher talking all the time, but they don't realize the hours I spend quiet learning. And this is something people don't realize. Oh, Rico talk a lot when I'm teaching. But there are times, and you've seen this because you've seen my development, right. and that's going to lead into what we're going to talk about, but you see my development as a teacher. Right. So... Well, I mean, like this, again, all this, everything you just said kind of plays into our first episode, which was right. all about that. So if you want to know more, go back to episode one, please. Absolutely. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, today, today's main topic, and I'm glad you kind of mentioned the uh, the, the Shabbat and and kind of your, your your whole perception about that, because today's topic just so happens to be your own personal progression of your uh, Sabbath and Shabbat perception. And by that, what I mean is, how is it from the very first time you, you, you learned and, and did the Shabbat and everything, how has your outlook, how has your perception of it progressed until like last week when you did it? Like what has... What has what everything you've learned in, in in the preceding years kind of influenced the way you you do look. it now? You do it now, not 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 even how you do it now, like how you see it, how you Gosh. you know how you perceive it every day. You know, back in late ninety eight, early ninety nine, right? I began to look into the Bible in a different way. Mm-hmm. I was praying for the Lord to show me truth and understanding, and you know, to give me wisdom. Just a prayer, Solomon. Yeah, and. I actually began to read the Ten Commandments. 
And that, like everyone in the Messianic Hebrew roots, whatever Torah following believers are, they read Matthew five seventeen. You know, do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. That verse. Right. And I finally got it. I understood it. And I remember that for about a period of five months, I was like vacillating with whether or not I wanted to, whether it was that was for me or that was for Jewish people. You know, the whole argument everybody has. Yeah. That, the that, normal thing. That, that beginning transition everyone kind of struggles with. Of course, with. we yeah. all struggle with that. Yeah. And I was more concerned about what would my family, what would my friends say. I remember when I presented Sabbath to you, you were like, what, seven? Seven years old? Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, how am I going to do this? You know, I mean, how am I going to make that transition? Because does that mean that everything I did before was a lie? Well, part of the observance of what I was doing before was a lie in, in regards to Sunday. Mm-hmm. But my intent was not to follow a lie. My intent was to obey the Creator as I saw, as I, as I was taught in the church. Right. It was, it was intent with, with, with ignorance. You, weren't, you didn't know, yes. you weren't aware, but the intent was still pure. Right. So um, that's something we forget now, by the way. We come to the Torah, we find the truth, we yeah. find the truth, and we start beating people up with it. Yeah, we start to dehumanize the church, which is very bad. Well, and that's something that I'm guilty of, by the way. And you know what? That, that comes because, uh, b- because of bitterness and uh, the, the, the stages of grief. The, the, so let me go back to the original topic as I, get, <laughs> I digress here. All right. So keep that in mind, okay? It'll right. come up a little, a little okay. later. All right. So what happens is, Rico that I began to look into the Bible. And all of a sudden, there it is. Chapters, you know, 20 and Exodus is the fourth command. And I'm saying, well, I love the Lord. I keep His commandments, but I wasn't really. Mm. Okay, so now that I had clear that the New Testament didn't talk about Sunday and, you know, the the Torah emphasizes Sabbath everywhere, uh, what am I going to do? Decision, right? So I come around... And I'm still f- trying to figure out if I really wanted to do this or not. Because what would everybody say? That's what the church system is like that, by the way. You're yeah. worried about more what your buddies and the people you think love you. Until you, sa- until you follow Sabbath. <laughs> they all love you, right? And everyone abandons you. Man, you go to church every Sunday. Brother, I love you. I want you to know I love you so much. And then you call them the next week. Oh my God, I got this big revelation. Sabbath. And they don't want to talk to you anymore. You know, the love only lasted until they agreed with you. It's, 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 it's strange how, how much of a difference 12 hours can make. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so uh, I remember it was a Friday afternoon. Right. And I was talking to somebody. Okay. And all of a sudden, the person says, well, wait a minute. Does the Bible says it? I said, well, yes. I said, what's, what's the problem? Let's do it. You know, and I went to Publix and I bought... Bread. I didn't even know it was challah. <laughs> Just bread. Just bread. Hopefully it was not the Hawaiian bread. Remember the Hawaiian? Oh, I don't remember. Man, remember Hawaiian good. bread? It was so good, but I found out it had some pork in it. Now they, they redid the whole recipe. Oh, thank now. God. Okay. I, know. They, I was going to say, we're no! Safe. We're safe. <laughs> All right, but I don't need it anymore. Now that I don't need it, they See, fixed you know, the you recipe. You know what's funny? On a side note, I like to think of like on your very first Shabbat, it was just like a small bottle of Menashevitz and like and like a loaf of Wonder Bread. Man, I don't mean <laughs> Check this out. Actually, it was close to that. It was Menashevitz. <laughs> How did I know? Of it, it, let me tell you, bro. And that, uh, By the way, <laughs> what I'm about to say... I don't mean it as demeaning to anyone started out in Disclaimer. the Torah, okay? Please understand. But it's interesting because now everywhere I go, yeah, I know where they're at spiritually. Humble beginnings. Yeah, where yeah. they're at in their walk, especially uh-huh. in the Spanish world. Yes. We get really excited about everything. 
So we want to eat everything kosher. So even Coca-Cola, is it kosher? You know, it's terrible for you. 22, you know, uh, tablespoons of sugar, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's kosher. Okay, but at the time we were so, oh, it's kosher, so it must be good. Anyway, so you get into that kick of doing everything, and then all of a sudden now when I travel places, especially in the Spanish world, that they're coming into the Hebrew roots, I know how much time they spent in the Hebrew roots or the Torah observance based on the wine they're using. (laughs) And I don't mean to be mean. It's just that, and I've told you a few times, we've been to a few places that says, well, I guess we'll know where they're at if... If they have Manischewitz sure. of Magen David on oh, the man. Uh, other table, sure, sure enough, enough, there it is, right? And they're usually within one or three years. Yep, tops four. Now, like, here's, like when you, and by the way, yeah. if you're still drinking Manischewitz, I'm not. It's if you want to drink sugar water, that's okay. It's it's a it's a good wine. It's fine. It's good. Look, it's good sugary wine. It's it's good tasting wine. That after half a cup you can't drink anymore. That's genius, by the way. It's a good dessert wine. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's a like a port. Wine. It's like Jewish version of the port there wine. Go. There you go. Not like, the pork wine, the port. Port wine. Yeah, making sure we like, have that straight. All right. Well, here's the thing. I know your intent when you say these kind of things because yeah, we just got to really reinforce this. The the reason you're saying all this, the reason you believe this, is because you went through it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was And that's why you can relate. That's why you can yeah, relate because you mean, were I, just like this. I just laugh because everywhere I go, I, I see it and I go like, oh my. You see you know, yourself. I saw that. myself. Yes. And instead of belittling that, I, I laugh in a really remembering way. Because going back to that story that I was telling you. So we buy the bread and we have the Manischewitz wine. Yeah. And all of a sudden now, we didn't know what to do. I've never kept Shabbat. I never did any of the prayers. I didn't know what it meant. I was just so desperately looking forward to honoring the day that I just sat there. I stood there, the bread and the wine, and I'm thinking, so what do we do now? Seriously, what do we do now? And I'm sure many people listening, they've gone through the same process. This oh, yeah. happens with them. Oh, yeah, yeah. It didn't dawn on me. Let me go look what Jewish people do. They've been doing it 3,700 years, so they have an idea. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. You you, you just come out of the church, right. and, and to you, it's like, oh, those are the Jews. Over well, there. that's the way we were taught. Exactly. So, you know, so your first instinct isn't to go to them to learn something new. It's to, like, oh, let me just go to the Bible. But it So even yeah. though I'm, I'm embracing Shabbat, I still have, that we still had in the beginning that anti-Semitic that without mindset. really being anti-Semitic yeah. or anti-Jewish mindset. Yeah, yeah. All right, so here I am. Rico, it was the most exciting Sabbath I've ever had. I prayed, I studied, and I meditated on the Word, and I still had 23 hours left. It was the longest day of my life. <laughs> Dude, I'm thinking, so what do I do now? Because I'm not watching TV. Just I'm trying to in a sit in room quietly for seriously, like 23 hours. I didn't know what to do. It's like, all of a sudden, I, okay, so we welcome the Shabbat, and all right, so we got all excited. We start reading the Bible, and, you know, but that can only go so far. You can't read for the next 24 hours, so you thought. And I'm thinking, what do I do now? It was like the longest day ever. Then uh, around the next morning, I'm thinking, how long is this day going to be? <laughs> you know what I mean? It yeah. sounds funny now that we look back on it because now the Sabbath is so short. There's not enough time. It's not enough time, man. It's like I understand what Paul says, you know, it's like, you know, trying to do Havdalah, and then he's teaching all the way until midnight, and then people are like still want to hear, and, exactly, and yeah. they don't realize how tired you are. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's a thing. Like at least nowadays, the past few weeks, so, you know, we'll we'll do Shabbat, and by the time I'm done with the first cup of wine, it's already over. It's already Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. come on! That's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it lasts. Now we delight in the Shabbat, and we learn the steps Absolutely. of how to 
how to understand it. Yeah, but the desire, what I miss sometimes. Yeah. And we still, because, you know, my wife, she does an amazing job preparing the home and the environment for Shabbat. So that's really, really cool. I remember when you, your connection to Shabbat has been the bread. It still is. It's amazing. Still is, right? Oh, I love it. Everybody's different. Tito is the wine. I'm starting to kind of shift perspective. Yeah. It's really good. Because because we moved a little bit past Manischewitz. And we never abused the wine, clearly, but yeah. we, we try. For example, there was one year that I met the people from Hyovel Ministries. Uh-huh. You know who Hyovel Ministries are, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you know, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, for the audience who have never listened to us before, Hyovel Ministries is an amazing ministry um, that is out of Israel. They are believers in the Messiah Yeshua, and they are from Tennessee. But what they've done, they moved to Israel and they encourage people from all over the world to uh, to go and work the land, mm-hmm. uh, to become gardeners, right? To become uh, to take care of vineyards, because the Palestinians don't drink wine, so they say in public. So the 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 Israeli um, the Israeli farmers they need to spend money hiring people, you know, to prune and and to do the harvest. Right. Well, why would you want to pay the uh, Palestinians who are going to later on come back and burn it? You know what I mean? So this ministry donates their time. People, I've never seen anything like it, bro. People pay money, their airfare and money, to go and get up at four in the morning to go do the harvest and prune. That's hard work. I've never done that one because I take tours during that time. I go in November. But the stories that I hear from people, the most amazing stories about how putting their hands in the land and working uh, together with the people of the land have been such an amazing blessing. So one year, when I found out about them, yeah. I went to Habracha, my tour, which is the Mount of Blessing, where the Sechem, uh, you know, Shechem, where they ratify the covenant, Joshua 24. And um, and I purchased a bottle of wine. Right. And then I went to another winery with my tour. It's called Sugot. I, I, I mean, I hope I pronounce it right. But it's amazing wine. And I asked, by the way, you know, the who picked the grapes from this one? I says, well, the grapes was picked by Hayovel ha- Ministries. Uh, Jolie and Tito didn't go with me that year. Okay. So when I come home, mm-hmm. the first Shabbat I'm home, after my tour to Israel, I open the bottle of wine. And I told my family, this is how the Shabbat takes a different dimension, okay? Mm-hmm. You go from Manischewitz. Yeah. Okay, which is nothing wrong with it, but that's our beginnings. And then you go to Israel and you learn more about the Sabbath, working in the land, pruning the land, you know, working, planting trees, all that stuff. And then you come home on a Sabbath and you open a bottle of wine and you bless the Creator for giving us the provision, the fruit of the vine. And I told my family, I said, today we are drinking prophecy. Right. Because the book of Jeremiah or Isaiah, one of the two books, says that strangers, foreigners, shall be your vine dressers. So now we have foreigners, Hayovel Ministries, encouraging people from all the nations yep. to donate their time to either prune the vineyards all around the areas and to pick up the, the, the grapes during harvest time, you know, right after or right before during after Sukkot, you right. know. And what we have here is we had to partake of the fruit of the of the vine, and the people who helped produce that wine are believers in Messiah. Now that takes the whole Sabbath to a different level, oh, bro. Yeah. <clears throat> like that's that's really what it, what it seems like is like the first big step in in like the Sabbath perception is to understand that 
from the first level to the second level, it goes from being a very metaphysical meaning to a very physical meaning. Like now we have we like you like you say you're drinking prophecy now. It's not we're talking about it now. I'm physically seeing it, touching it, tasting it. Yeah, man, and, and you know, one of the it becomes real. Yeah, it because, becomes tangible, tangible. Yeah, because especially right now with the whole age of technology and media. I mean, there's so much work that I get to do now on my phone. It's ridiculous. It's like a third and computer. Pretty much. Yeah. It's actually as expensive as a third computer. Uh, um, it costs much of a third computer. <laughs> and you know what, Rico? What was really was really amazing to me is how now we look back and we go, wow, we have some great conversations at the Shabbat table. Just the most analog, it, basic way. Right? Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I remember when we would sit at the table and there's no electronics around. We, now we have to talk to each other. Now think about the wisdom of God. <laughs> now we have to talk to each other. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But it's true though. It's During true, yeah. the week, people don't talk to each other. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Man, I travel everywhere and I get on a plane or I go to the airport and everybody's down on the, their whole head is in the sand in the phone, you know? And But on Shabbat, the Father is, is wise. He creates, he created a day that he says, chill out guys, uh, talk to each other. Let's become a family. Let's become kingship. Let's get to know one another. Let's bless the Lord for the provision. Let's bless our children. Let's bless the wives. And let's talk about the Lord. And let's talk about each other. What are you doing today? What have you done? You know, what have what happened to you this week? Isn't that cool? That's that's that to me is amazing that we have we have a God that people say is so wrathful in the Torah, yet encourages you to have peace in your home and just right. to just to just to rest, just relax. Everything you that's been plaguing you the week, just let it go. Be with your family. How can anyone say that he is a wrathful God when he actively encourages you just to be a family, just be together? I believe that because the system of religion is such that it encourages people to always be afraid. Do you know that in the ancient Near East, they believed the gods were capricious? They were like, you didn't know how to please them. So they did. So they would do sacrifices, uh-huh. just trying to find the favor of the, of the gods to protect them against demons. That was really the whole... Can you imagine living like that? Oh, Oh my God, there's an ant. I'm going to go take a sacrifice to some God because I don't want the ant to eat, you know, or to try to eat me or the demons or or a frog. You can't live like that. So the Torah is the opposite. The Torah is the, the creator of heaven and earth outlining for Israel exactly what pleases him and exactly what displeases him. And then he says, you choose. Can you imagine that? Treats you like an adult. It's the idea of perfect stability. Right. He says, you choose blessing and a, cur- a blessing and life, death and a curse. Which one do you want? I mean, by the way, if you're a slave, you don't get to choose. And in the ancient world, they believed that humanity was created for the sake of slavery, to, to become slaves to the gods. And now God says, no, 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 man. Uh, I'm going to deliver you out of Egypt, and I want you to have a day off. You were slaves for too long. <laughs> relax, relax. Well, think about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, what no, impact yeah. would that make in your life? It's huge. I mean, thinking about your slave for 210 years or whatever, you're in Egypt. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now, you get redeemed out of Egypt with a mighty strong hand, mighty strong power. And then the first thing he says is, I want you to keep the sign of the covenant. Take a day off. Yeah, a religiously sanctioned vacation every week. Oh, and by the way, it's a feast, exactly. Yeah. And he says, oh, by the way, you don't need to work. I'm going to give you the double portion on Friday. All you have to do is believe me that I'm going to provide. Every every tribe near that area that would even see those people would then be provoked 
just to, to question why, you know, why do you get to work and not make sacrifice and constantly lay, lay awake at night that the gods will strike you down for no reason? Right. Well, that's the whole idea. Yeah. That's, to set yeah. the contrast. Exactly. Do you know that in Judaism, something really fascinating, not fascinating, but something really amazing. <laughs> I've learned this. And the custom on Shabbat, and we do it in our home, is to do the Kiddush. Right. The Sabbath evening, Shabbat, uh, it's called Kabbalah Shabbat. It's not a Kabbalah, it's reception. Kabbalah is to receive. Uh, Kabbalah Shabbat. And the Kiddush. And people say, well, why do we need to do this? And something that I've learned is that this is really what, you talked about the progression and the development. Right. It went from the desire, the raw desire to please the Creator by doing something He told us to, but having no idea how to do it. No clue. Right. To now, now still learning all these principles. But listen to the transition. You go from wanting to do it with no idea how to do it, and then judging people because they don't do it, but yet we don't know how to do it. You get all that? Yeah, I got it. Okay. I, I got it, but I don't know if they all got it. Okay. Say it one more time. I don't know what I just said. Oh, you great. Say. Okay. So <laughs> we'll just loop it. We are, we are it. doing something we don't know what we're doing. Okay. But the same thing we don't really know how to do well when we start. We use that as a tool to judge and to beat people up who are not doing it. And I did that, by the way. I have no idea how to do, uh, how to keep, or how to observe Shabbat. Okay? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden now, I'm learning as I study the Siddur and I study the prayers and all that stuff, that the Creator now gives you a greater mandate. He says, I want you to sanctify it. I made it holy. Right. But I want you, through your own mouth, to sanctify it every Friday evening. So even though the sun goes down, but if you really think about it, he chose humanity as the vessels and the tools to bring forth its sanctification, to bring forth its, its observance so that it can be a witness to the world that it is holy by your God. Wow. That's really cool. So what's the prayer? The prayer goes like this. It's, cha it's chapters 2 of the book of Exodus, uh, the book of Genesis, Bereshit. It says, The sixth day, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the array. On the seventh day, Elohim completed his work, which he had done. And he abstained from on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Elohim blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. He sanctified. He made it holy, right? Because on it, he abstained from his work, which he had created. But the word there is to make it vekadesh. Uh, Kadesh, make it holy. The root was Kadosh. It's the only time in the book of Genesis that the word holy is found in reference to in reference to the, the Sabbath or there were day. no feast days right. at the time as we know now. Exactly. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were never called holy, they were called righteous. So think about this. Now he separates you, and that's what really helped me understand more, Rico, and to be more committed to it, is the fact that I finally understood that he chose me from the nations. Mm -hmm. And then he says, I know you don't know how to do it, but I want to use you as a witness to proclaim the holiness of my day. Mm -hmm. So when I say that prayer or the verses in a prayer as I open the Shabbat, now I, he's speaking through us because we're speaking the verses. Right. So literally every Sabbath home, when they're saying this blessing, right, the mm -hmm. blessing that is there or the verses, you are now saying through your mouth, that he is your creator, he is your king, and he uses you to sanctify the day. 
Now, which leads me to this. In Dina's book, something really grabbed my attention in the first chapter. Okay, I spent almost a whole day going really slowly through it. Oh, wow. Because she really did a good job explaining certain things here. Uh, okay, so when you read it, her introduction to Eden. Okay. And this one, you talk about the progression from like not knowing what to do to then becoming like a Torah terrorist, you know, <laughs> calling everyone pagan who was not keeping Sabbath, right. to now understanding that Sabbath is rest. Menucha is like an idiom for, uh, in the ancient world, for like um, a kingship, ruleship. Right. So he ruled from his creation. He rested. Mm -hmm. Just like the president, when he swears allegiance to the Constitution, then he goes to the White House to rule from there, make major decisions from there. So the Sabbath is just like that. Mm -hmm. But then I noticed a sequence on the prayers. The one I just made. Yeah. And the second one is, says, Blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. So now you take the role of Adam. Oh, and you are the gardener now. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, you know, in Dina's book, she opens with the garden, with Eden. Right. And then it says, from architecture to agriculture. So the Lord introduces creation as the architecture, architect of creation. Mm -hmm. And then in chapters two, he introduces himself as the agricul uh, um, the agriculture in the context of agriculture, uh -huh. and he places Adam, men yeah. or humanity, in the garden, the earth, for the purpose of becoming gardeners. That's why now you raise the fruit of the vine. That's why Noah, when he came out of the ark, mm -hmm. he planted a, vi a vineyard. Right, right. You see what I mean? Yeah. So there's a pattern. So now I know when I say the blessing, he's using us as the vessels to proclaim his holiness. We think about that. Your house becomes a miniature, a, mi a micro Eden. Right. Each home becomes a microcosm of the millennial reign. Have wow. you ever thought about it like that? I haven't, wow. So, so when you keep the Shabbat and you welcome it, you are now representing the rule of God in your house, the sovereignty of God on the earth, the provider of the fruit of the vine and the bread, agriculture. Wow. And then he says, by the way, I want you to keep, I want you to keep the Torah, observe the Torah, Shomer Torah. Now, Shomer Torah or, or keeping Torah according to Judaism is very different definition than it is now according to what we're understanding. In Judaism, keeping the Torah is according to the way they standardize the religion. Okay. So when somebody in the Hebrew says, oh, I keep the Torah, but the Jewish person listens and watches them and says, they're not keeping Torah. They're doing their interpretation of what they think Torah says. So, but originally, keeping the Torah, Shomel, was to guard the garden mm -hmm. because the mandate of humanity was to become the gardeners of that garden. Mm, okay. You see what I mean? Does that yes. make sense? That yeah. makes sense? No, it does. It does. Okay, yeah. so now what we're doing is we have the mandate to become the gardeners of the Lord by keeping the Torah, protecting the tree of life. That's why in the synagogue service they use, uh, um, is the tree of life, those who holds of it will be life. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. But Adam, in his disobedience, he... He gets exiled, mm -hmm. no longer having access to the tree of life. Right? Right. Through disobedience and rebellion. Yeshua, the Messiah, he comes to the earth. 
he dies when he resurrects. Mar Mary, mm -hmm. who saw him in the will, um, who saw him, who saw him in the garden, yeah, when he resurrected, right? It tells you, and she thought he was a gardener. It tells you in the Gospels. She didn't recognize him because she thought he was a gardener. Interesting. He is also called the last Adam. And he, yeah, and he died on a tree. Exactly. There you go. So all of a sudden now, the Messiah brings us back. The veil is rented. Right. The veil rents is, is a symbolic uh, uh, picture of that now humanity have access, not to the Holy Holies, no one can go in, but what if I submit to you, that is, we have access to the tree of life. And what is the tree of life in the in, inside the holy place? Menorah. What is designed as an almond tree the in the holy place? The menorah, yeah. the candlestick. So all of this thing now starts to make sense. So that long little story that I gave you is to show you how significant the progression of the Sabbath goes. From the deep desire to just obey mm -hmm. to that obedience and the study and the development of that obedience leads you to a deeper understanding on our function. Wow. You see, people want to focus only on Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. But what is the function of the Sabbath towards us? What is the message? What does it do? What does it do? What does it do? Uh, so they always talk about Sabbath. You got to keep wow. the Sabbath. I understand we do, but why? What does it mean? How come we have to do it? You know, why did he give it to us? Exactly. No no one asks those questions because no one knows what to... Because no, one, no one's thought that far ahead. Well, the thing, I think I think right now people are... They're starting to. Yeah, because they're looking outside the box. Yeah. You know, I mean... Yeah. You study cosmology and we study ancient Near East and we study honor and shame and we studied um, first century culture yeah. and all that stuff. Holy mountains, sacred yeah, places. Sacred yeah, yeah, sacred mountains. Hey, by the way, you know that Eden? Yeah. Now you know why. Now you see, you led me into something else. We, we, got, we got to stay on topic. We will, man. We will. <laughs> it's already 40 minutes, man. <laughs> I know, I know. But so for me, going into, for me, going into my approach to Sabbath has become more simple. Right. It's like, okay, I get it. I know my function. Right. I know what I'm supposed to be. You know your role. Right. You like Adam was supposed to be like a priest yeah. in that home. By the way, this is why in Judaism, every head of the house on Sabbath, they can recite the Aaronic blessing. Even though the Aaronic blessing, according to the Torah, is reserved only for the high priest. I mean, mm -hmm. sorry. Only, on, yeah, only for the priests mm -hmm. or the line of Aaron. But on Sabbath, even Jews understand that they have the role to be priests. It's in their shadow homes. of it, right? Because Anna was to be a priest. Exactly. You see what I mean? So, for me, the development and the progression has gone from discovering it, blindly follow it, right? Study it with the intent to judge, mm -hmm. follow it and keep it with the intent to be self-righteous. Humbling myself because I was not doing it right. And then learning how from scratch my function within the observance of the Sabbath. Right. And that really changed everything for me. It was like, okay, I get it now. I understand that it's more than just a command. It's a command that has incredible, profound, deep truth that we don't really focus on. We just focused on, oh, it's got to be on the Sabbath. Now people change it. Now some people are saying that, uh, that the Sabbath is only from morning to when the sun comes up to when the sun goes down. Seriously, dude, no joke. 
It's not from evening to evening anymore. Now it's like they're changing this. They don't understand their function, but they're who, changing it. Who gives you the, the authority to say that? Uh, well, I mean, right now we have all the authority in the world because we are, you know, we can do whatever we want. And didn't you hear that memo? Didn't you get it? Oh, I, I guess I didn't. Well, that happens a lot. Wow. But no, we're not supposed to change anything. We'll follow what, you know. So hopefully, you know, these questions that you've asked me have have become more clarity as my progression. Not everybody's the same. You know no, yeah, I mean? you're right. I'm, I, like, not everyone's the same, but everyone does follow a, a similar pattern. Like we True. are we are, we are, are creatures of habit. We are creatures of patterns. So everything we do is falls within, within a certain pattern that we all can kind of share collectively as, you know, as a people. So I'm hoping that at least for this episode, whenever I, I, I thought the idea, because this is my idea. When it I, was your idea. Was, so when I, uh, my, my intention, my hope was someone who is newer to the movement, someone who is newer to the faith will hear this and maybe think, oh, oh, well, if, if Rico went through all that, maybe I can, maybe I, I can avoid some of those pitfalls and just yes. kind of focus on the right part, understand my mandate a little earlier and kind of maybe maybe hop over that 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 pit of judging other people or trying to use it yes. as a weapon. Maybe you know that maybe help them circumvent those 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 treacherous areas. Well, you say something that is true. We are creatures of habit, and when we are zealous, and when we feel we have truth, in the beginning we don't know how to handle it. Yeah, we want everyone to have the truth, and we just jump at it. Well, you you know when we do jujitsu, let's yes. take the example of martial arts to make this point. Yes, you know it's like the teacher was telling us. That when you are higher rank, mm -hmm. you don't just go crazy. You just take your time and you 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 put pressure and you're more you're more patient, patient and precise. Exactly, because you know the movements. Right, right. But when you start, man, when you start, it's like you go nuts for like two minutes trying to beat this guy, not beating him by punching him, but just by submitting the guy. And that's what happens to us when we when we come into the Torah. When you don't know who you are spiritually, you just freak out and you just try yeah, to... Yeah, you try to do everything. You try to grab at every branch to try to find who you are until you do, and then, oh, okay. It's like a two-year-old. Exactly. Let me just relax. You know, I remember when you were two. Oh, boy. I know, man. I'm going to throw ah, you under geez. the bus. Here we go. All okay, right. okay, okay. So, when you were two years old, Rico, it was the funniest thing, because the word... I think the number one word you learned better than anything was no. <laughs> it was crazy. It's like you wanted to touch everything... It's incredible. Anything that shine, you want to touch. Any colors that were, that were loud, you wanted to touch. <laughs> Anything that had like uh, red fire, you wanted to touch. You wanted to stick keys into the in outlet, the, into the outlet, yeah. and you almost did that. By the way, I barely <laughs> caught you. I don't know how in the world. I remember that, dude. I'm going to be, you remember because I, remember. I screamed at you. You were like three years old, I, and you still remember, bro. I see you. And you get the key, and I'm thinking, what is he gonna do with the key? And you st you saw the little outlet, and something gravitated you towards the outlet. And I, I man, I'm telling you, well, there was a hole. It was like perfectly sized. Like, what happens if I put that in there? <laughs> that was my exact thought. Like, what happens if I just do this thing? That was the loudest no I've ever. You never did it again. Oh no! You got that picture. So can I submit to you, man, that when we are in the Hebrew roots in the beginning, that's exactly what we do. We stick our fingers in every. Google, uh, uh, website, every wiki, YouTube, everything. video, and we just keep clicking and clicking and touching everything. <laughs> and we talk from, we can talk from the shape of the earth to like, you know, ancient giants to like, you know, that the earth is not this or there are other universes or, you know, crazy stuff that in reality, 
the Father called us to be his servants. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. We're, we're not called to do that. We're not called to see, you know, if there are giants in the land. We're not called to see if there are other universes. We're called to this one job. This is the only one thing. Job. You, this is all you do. Stay in your lane. Right, you know. That's it. But I know the curiosity. Oh, yeah. That's because fine. you got to remember the religion. It's yeah. a problem. Religion keeps you in a box. I'm yeah. outside the box. I don't have a religion. We have a lifestyle. The system. The system, the system of religion. System of and we have a lifestyle. So it's like, that's why I can study different things. Not to minimize the creator. No. Not to minimize the Messiah. But to, but to it, understand. To, to enhance. To, to enhance. enhance it. Exactly. You, you, you are confident enough in who you are spiritually that you can read almost any text and know that, oh, this isn't going to shake my faith. This is fine. I yeah, can, many people don't exactly. do that because they only read what they agree with. Right. And they're, and, and they're afraid. Because if, if they see something that confuses them, it might lead them down that path where they might just reject it because, because of a lack of understanding. Well, you also... It's just one of those things. you got to remember, this is life. Yeah. It happens in relationships. It happens yeah. in, in the workplace. It happens in family structures. And the, the reality is that humanity is dysfunctional. It's a pattern. I mean, common sense is completely gone. Com- common sense is gone, bro. Yeah, I know. Listen, when you have somebody getting shooting people and then they blame the gun... And no one even mentions the name of the guy or cares about the guy who shot. Oh my god, that's crazy! And it's like, well, you know, uh, they they it makes no sense. I was I was recently reading some, uh, some 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 of the news, and they they want to start blaming violent video games for this. And one guy on CNN actually took the, a quote from a from a shooter in the in I think it was like Norway or the Netherlands, because this guy who was crazy and who is and who is actually like a neo Nazi and all this stuff and believes in like. Odin and all that. He said that he used like uh, a, a red dot sight in Call of Duty to get his aim better, and they used the words of this crazy person as fact to support their theory on CNN. Well, when, I do. Why? Why would you think that's actually a valid point? I don't understand. Well, I think that if it comes from a if it comes from a resource like the crazy guy, but I met this guy. He's a friend of mine. He's actually one of my students. Uh-huh. He told me he would practice how to fly a plane. Uh-huh. Because there was a particular video game that was so legit that he was play the video game, right. and that would allow him to practice. Those are simulators. I'm talking about Call of Duty. There is nothing about Call of Duty that simulates anything. For, for some of you who don't know, my son he went to school for uh, video game design. So this is something near him that he will design. Yes. He will defend it until you die. I will. I will happily die on this hill. Video games do not <laughs> cause people to be violent. And if you really want to argue with me, you can email but me. But you do agree with me, though. We're going to have a little chat here because you yeah. agree with me that the video games are so real nowadays that you can get you can get tactical insights mm-hmm. on a video game. Okay, let's say the video game will not influence you for the sake of argument Okay, to That's kill fine. people because okay. that has to be either you're out of your mind to do that or not. Right, right. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. But would you agree that there's some games that are so that they're so right on on the tactical front that if you really pay attention and you do your research, mm-hmm. it can help you? No, I I don't believe that because really I don't believe that. Come because, on, man! When you design a game, you, there's always don't get upset. There's, no, so there's always right? a balance between between realism and gameplay, and gameplay always comes first. It doesn't matter how real you want to make the game. Real war sucks. It is not fun to play in. Yeah. A video game is fun. It's meant to be fun. So you will make concessions on the realism to make it more fun. 
That's why I don't. Yeah, but but what, well, listen to what you just said though. You make concessions on the realism. What do right. you mean by that? It means like, oh, maybe okay. Like let's say okay, for example, uh, Battlefield One. It's it's a game set in World War One. If they actually had a one to one representation of what that was, you'll be stuck in a hole for four years, and you won't even. Yeah, get because out of that's it. a trench war. Exactly. Warfare. That's boring. That's not fun. That's depressing. So what do they do? <laughs> they take a lot of that out. A lot of the horrible, horrible realism, and replace it with fun antics and craziness. That's why I don't trust when people say violent video games do that because there's always concessions that are made to make it not insane. If you want to talk about, now, if, do you, if, do you no, see if, how you hold the meter change when you start talking about video games? Oh yeah. And, and no, 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 no. This is good. This is good because I got to see the passion in you. That's true. Yeah. You know, so that's what I mean. That's that's the passion. You know the subject matter because mm-hmm. you study it. Now you know why I'm so passionate about the word. I'm getting there. It's the same thing, yeah, but you but you see what I mean though. Yeah, it's like I agree with you. Video games is a state of mind. It's not the game itself. I feel like TV the, and movies is far worse. I agree. TV, yeah. I mean, but nobody talks about that. Well, people can have a gun loaded on top of their desk forever, and unless somebody pick it up, there's not going to be a discharge. True, but I I've seen horrible, awful things on TV and movie that are on TV right now that no one talks about. Bro, I saw this movie a long time ago. Um, by Sylvester Stallone, he makes. I like his movies, by the way. Yeah, but he had this movies. movie when he was doing the Rambo series. Yeah, it was like the latter ones that was very, very cheesy. Was it Rambo Four when he went to Burma and just that, that one. one? Oh my, oh my god. god, dude! He was shooting people with fifty caliber, <laughs> and I'm going like, oh my! And they were grossly. I'm telling you, they were like really, really, really graphic. And you really want to talk about video games after seeing that? And I'm thinking, and this is supposed to be a good movie. Actually, I couldn't finish it, and I like war movies, and you know I do. Yeah, it's, and it's I couldn't much. finish it's it because much. it was very. It's I mean, much. it really showed you what happens to a body, you know, when you get shot by a fifty caliber, you know, it's uh, weapon. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. No way, man. So I mean, we should get on, we should probably. How do we topic. go from that? We should from probably the get off this topic immediately. We should probably just what jump ship right do? now. What did you do here? <laughs> Look, I brought up video games. You should brought up all this craziness. Well, let me bring it back. Let all me bring it back. There we go. Sabbath takes us from all that craziness. Yeah. It renews your mind. It's our refuge. It's our refuge, and it gives sanctuary. you the sanctuary not to think about video games for a whole day. Amen. You know, some kids can't survive that. That's, uh, dude. Isn't it crazy? Some kids can't survive that. Even some adults that I know can't survive that. You know? So, when you think about the Sabbath, don't make it a, don't make it a tool to judge people and to make people's lives miserable. No. Because we're on a journey to learn and to keep the day holy and to exalt the creator who created the day who has given us the mandate to be his kingdom so what what what's going on with you man what what how are your studies making a difference in your understanding uh you mean in just the sabbath or just in general in general in general general. i mean it's just kind of studying with you and studying the tour portions of every week and just kind of thinking on it and you know mulling on it for a while it's it's Taking what what you've taught and what I've you know what what I've taken in, it, it's helped me to kind of broaden out my understanding. And it, again, it takes it from a very spiritual, metaphysical idea, and makes it more like a physical, real, more of like historical you know thing. You know, like more take concrete. Exactly. What, you, what do you mean by metaphysical? I mean very spiritual, very kind of up in the clouds, very yeah, like gotcha. alien angels and cherubs and spirits. It from that realm of thinking. Only, more, yeah. Only to being a concrete, like, okay, this is what this is. This is my role. This is my job. This is what it, historically, this is what my people have done. This is what we need to do. And this is how we do it. So do you think it helps you when you learned the context about something and now it takes away some 
crazy interpretation that you yeah. hear. It takes away the veil the of mystery. It, it it takes the veil of mystery that is that makes it just kind of in the ether and weird, and it makes it a tangible thing. It makes it very easily understandable and easy for me to interpret and just take to someone else and teach it very easily. So do you, do you think that's really been the transition in, in our understanding of the Torah? It's like we, we brought it from the former Christian domain in which we would only interpret things from the spiritual way to more of a concrete. The problem is that now people get so concrete and dogmatic about something that they get, they're not they're, they're not willing to. Yeah, yeah. So how do we bring that balance, though? I mean, it's not an easy thing. I study it's all not. the time, uh, constantly, and I'm searching and I'm looking and I'm researching. And gotta tell you, the more you study, the worse it is. Yep. Because then you talk to people, and you're listening, and you go like, "Where in the world did they get that from?" Man, that's really challenging to me. My wife made mention of this one day. She goes. Rico, one of the things you need to ch- you need to remember is that by understanding all of this context, that you do not become or give the impression that you have the contextual aspect of scripture cornered. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. It's like anytime you talk to people, that's not the context. You don't know that. You don't know. <laughs> you, you have know. no way of knowing that. <laughs> and that's hard. It is. It's tough. Like it, the more you know, the more you believe. Like the more of. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like you're, you're entitled, but like the more authority you believe you have because you know so much in this one particular topic. Well, but- we just saw it with you when we saw, no, 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 in a good way. That when we start talking about oh, 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 video okay, games, okay, okay. your demeanor, your voice, your confidence level, and that and that whole area that you are an expert because you went to college or you graduated from, you know that topic. Right. right. I don't know. I don't play. The, you know the games I play. I know. Galaga and Centipede. That's I mean, back th- from the early and nineties. Those are fun games. Don't get me wrong. Those are awesome. Remember when we went to the uh, what was the name of that thing? A long time uh, ago? Disney Quest. Disney Quest. That's no longer around, is it? Uh, it's not. Man, that's a bummer. You were like what, seven, eight, nine years old, yeah. I think. And I took you to Disney Disney Quest. I've never been there. I still remember that too. Yeah, man. You made that ugly looking toy. That, that was you had. amazing. It was a T Rex head on a robot body with pterodactyl wings <laughs> and bat legs. Don't you judge my creations. They are beautiful, and I love them forever. That's why you were not in charge of the creation of men we would have been in trouble we would all look awesome we'd all be flying with giant bat wings it'd be so cool Rico when we were there I think it was third floor that was, was I don't remember six floors of video games. So I don't forget. Yeah, it was it was third floor of all vintage games. Of all vintage oh, games, you I was so a, bad. Then I you destroyed oh, me. Oh man, I was like the man for at least an hour. You know, because after that I can never beat you in any video game. They should have they, they should have arrested you because a man should not be beating a child that horribly in anything. <laughs> in anything. Centipede, you were terrible. I don't even know what it was. I, I didn't even Pac Man. Oh, Pac Man was the best. And uh, anyway, so what we have is the difference of time frame exactly you know but <laughs> i remember when they can make toys and you were so excited about how you can make your own toy until you start picking the pieces you know what was it again t-rex arm no it was t-rex head a robot body pterodactyl arms so like two wings and like i think it was like bat legs i don't remember the head though what i was do. the head what was it, it was a t-rex head t-rex t-rex head. head it was awesome and he thought that was the greatest creation he ever had he uh, was so proud of it now do. you can never stand it though still do whatever happened to that toy i don't know and you had it for a long time i did time. but it just it just it, it disappeared in the ether of space and time i don't know where it went it's gone it's gone man i tell you ladies and gentlemen listen <laughs> you don't understand i'm raising this kid <laughs> and i think he is sane and then we go to the Disney Quest, and he creates his own toy, and it looks like something crazy that he came up with. And I'm thinking, are you sure you're my son? 
and the Lord is wise, he never gave you that job of creation. Otherwise, we would all look very weird right now. You mean we'd all look really cool right now? I don't know, man. So we're going to thank the Creator for being wise enough to leave the creation for himself and, and and humanity for him. Amen to that. Let him do it because we we are wonderfully yeah. and perfectly made according to scripture. We are perfectly imperfect. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really delighted that we can have these conversations and um, with class is trying to become something a little more relaxed, more kickback, yeah. having a good time, serious when we have to, have fun when we have to. Exactly. And uh, I want to thank you, Little Rico. That's what we're going to call you from now oh, on. Little okay, Rico. Good. That's always been your nickname, by the way. I know. Rico, Little Rico. Yeah, nice. Little Rico from this moment on. <laughs> so my audience that is watching, my sons, glad, my um, oldest son is called Little Rico from this moment. I'm, I'm, really, ha I'm really happy that I had a say in this matter. It's great. But when I it's die in about 100 years, oh, good. Okay. then you become Big Rico. Oh, cool, cool. That's just right. That's just right around the corner. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. And uh, what do you think, Rico? You had a good time, Little Rico? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was. I was having a great time till just now when you started calling me Little Rico. Little Rico is that a was, love. That was that was where I took a nosedive. This is all like uh, a lovely way to tell you I love you, bro. I love you too. Yeah, right, man. I'll talk to you guys <laughs> later. Thank you for joining us, and I pray that this was a blessing to you. And uh, if you really, 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 really want to make us feel good, leave a comment <laughs> and uh, go to our website, wisdomandtoil.com. Go to the Spanish website, teshuba.tv. Recommend go. to as many people as you can. And share this with as many people as you know. Please. And sure. we're going to continue to have more fun. We're going to have more guests, by the way. Sometimes oh, I'll do the show with you, and, or I'll do it with some other guests that I bring here. So That's fine. The whole idea is to enjoy ourselves and to rejoice in the Lord. May the Lord bless you guys and keep you. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you for joining us. Shalom. Bye.